0: Good morning, everyone. Youth group, it's great to have you upstairs if you manage to stay awake within the next 15 minutes. Extra sweets for you later. Okay, so recently we've started going through a series looking at good news. And today our focus is on the good news as treasure. How it's a treasure that we receive, but also a treasure we are to share. David Wilson says, To accumulate spiritual riches and not share them with others is as obscene as accumulating financial riches and keeping them for ourselves. We too know that Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. And so if you truly believe that the gospel is the greatest news of all time, then you'll want to share it. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and you've experienced His love, His goodness, and mercy in your life, then you'll want to share that. But here's the problem. So often, we tend to limit the good news by making it into something that's just believed, something that exists only to benefit us. And so, to us, it's good, but not good enough to share. During my final year at university, I ended up staying with a friend that I studied with. And I stayed with him in his family home for eight months, completely rent-free. Though both the parents were religious studies teachers, none of the family were Christian. And at that time, God kept prompting me to share the gospel with them. But the thing was that I was too afraid. I kept thinking about how kind and generous they were in allowing me to stay. I thought I owed them something. And I dreaded the thought of possibly offending them in some way. And so I kept ignoring all of these prompts the Holy Spirit was giving to me until one particular day when I was in the kitchen. I was reading my Bible, and my friend walked in, and God pointed me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. It says... Woe to me, if I do not preach the gospel. And I felt so convicted. So you see, for me at that time, the gospel was good, but just not good enough to share. And that was me. On the other hand, there are certain people, like George Whitfield for whom the gospel was just too good not to share. Whitfield says, God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. So my hope and prayer this morning is that we'll remember that the gospel does not only exist to benefit us, but that we exist for the gospel. And as we gain a greater understanding of just how precious the good news is, that God's spirit would grow in us. A greater desire to share it. So let's just quickly pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would open our eyes to see more of your beauty this morning, to see truly just how precious and how marvelous your gospel is. And Lord, we pray that even now that your spirit would do a work in us, giving us a passion and a desire to share generously the good news that you've given us and placed within us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So we have a couple of passages this morning, and I'd like to take us through them with the two following headings. A treasure received and a treasure shared. A treasure received and a treasure shared. So first, a treasure received This is Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven through the use of parables. And we can see that in verses 44 to 46, that Jesus describes the kingdom as a hidden treasure and a pearl of great price. The lesson that Jesus is teaching here is that the kingdom of heaven has inestimable worth. Inestimable worth. Both the man and the merchant, once they realize just how precious this treasure is, are willing to joyfully sell everything that they had in order to buy it. And so what do the treasure and the pearl represent? We're told that they represent the kingdom, the gospel, They represent Jesus and the salvation that he offers and a loving relationship with the God who created us. Jesus uses these parables to emphasize the supreme worth of the kingdom. And actually, before I go any further, I just want to quickly stress what these parables are not saying. They are not saying that we need to earn our salvation Neither are they saying that we need to pay our way into the kingdom by selling stuff. It's not about that. And we can be sure of this because we know that we are saved by grace through faith. It can never be through our works or what we do because salvation is of the Lord. It's a work of God from beginning to end and there's nothing that we contribute. In fact, it's been said that the only thing we do contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary in the first place. And so these parables have nothing to do with salvation by works or selling stuff, but they tell us just how precious the kingdom of heaven is. And they are there to encourage us to treasure the kingdom above all else. So as you come into church this morning, how good is the good news to you? How precious is it to you? Is the fact that we are all sinners who've been saved by grace something that fills you with joy and amazement? Or is it something that you've started to, started to take for granted, something that you've heard too often that's become a little bit common, maybe even a bit boring at times? For those of us who are a part of God's kingdom, we've already received the greatest treasure. It's important that we understand this. It's important that we believe it. And it's important for the way that we live our lives to demonstrate what we believe to be true. To look at this from another perspective, listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verses seven to eight. This is the amplified version. Paul says, but whatever former things were gains to me, these things I have come to consider as loss, absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. Some pretty strong language that Paul's using, right? I consider everything as garbage so that I'm again Christ. Some translations actually use the word dung, as in poo. But actually, even that is still quite quite polite compared to the actual Greek word that Paul uses, which is a stronger and and, and more offensive word for feces. It's a rude word but he uses it to make the point that compared to knowing Christ, compared to knowing Jesus, everything else is absolutely worthless. As it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose their soul? The fact of the matter is that without Jesus, we have nothing. But if we have him, we have everything. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is our greatest treasure. Dodson and Watson writes that by faith, Jesus' death and resurrection can become your death and resurrection. Releasing you to live a truly human life. Best of all, when we turn away from trusting our unreliable selves and turn to the reliable, resurrected Christ, we gain intimacy with the most beautiful, powerful, creative, gracious person the world will ever know. Life with Jesus is better. He offers deeper joy, more profound meaning, and true purpose. Life with Jesus is truer. He is the one person that we were made for. If you join Jesus, you will join the person who changes everything. Even us. Brothers and sisters, that's what we've already received. Christ and his glorious gospel. And once we've found the pearl of great price, this hidden treasure, we consider everything as lost, and we take hold of it. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there because if the gospel is true, then it matters for everyone. If it's true, then it isn't bound or limited in any way. It has been relevant and will always be relevant, not only to you, but to everybody in this world whether they know it or not. Which takes us to our second point, a treasure shared. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Again, the word treasure refers to the good news. But here it says that this treasure has been placed in jars of clay. This treasure has been placed in jars of clay, and that's us. Now, jars are created to serve a purpose, and they come in all shapes and sizes. But here's the thing. Jars are also fragile. They can be broken. We can suffer from physical illness. We can suffer from mental illness. There can be times when we are emotionally unstable, times when we feel barely functional. We can get hurt easily. We can be afraid. We can feel tired, depressed, anxious, stressed, nervous, you name it. Yet it is according to the wisdom and purpose of God that He allows weak and fragile jars to carry something so precious. Why? Well, because it isn't for our sake, but for His glory. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, let let me quickly illustrate this. Here is a beautiful bag and as I'm holding it, your attention is more than likely to be on the bag rather than on its content. And so what you've failed to realize is that within the bag is the finest bottle of Graham's tawny Port that money can buy. You've grouped this is a shakeaway or something. You know, it's Waitrose. It's been aged 20 years and partially drunk by my dad. Because you are so focused on the bag, you missed the treasure. But look what happens when this bag, sorry, when this treasure, when this bottle is placed within another, black, another bag, a plain bag, one that isn't quite so eye-catching. Suddenly, your attention is no longer on the bag, but on the treasure. And so this is the way for the treasure to be seen and God's power to be shown. It's for this reason that God has chosen to put his treasure in jars of clay. Because it isn't about us, it's about him. We've been called to make much of God to echo the words of John the Baptist when he says about Jesus that he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. We've been called to share this treasure. You see, we haven't been made to be mere storage containers, but to be containers that first receive and then pour out God wants to work in us, but he also wants to work through us, and he's not afraid or embarrassed to use fragile jars of clay like you and me to display his glory. It's just often that we're afraid and embarrassed to represent him, our God, And I get that because it happens to me. But listen, I believe that it's during those times when we need to remember that it's not about us, but about Him. The key is to focus not on the jars of clay, not on ourselves, but on the treasure. And we need to understand just how precious this treasure is. I want to be so focused on God, so lost in amazement and wonder at his gospel, that any fear that I have just melts away. I forget to be afraid. I forget to be embarrassed. I no longer care if I scuff up my words or look like a fool, and even if I do, it's worth it. Because this treasure is worth it. The good news is worth it. And maybe it's during the times when we make ourselves vulnerable, when we step out, that we are then able to operate out of an overflow of God's love and power When we truly realize that it's no longer about us or our reputation, but it's about God, about His gospel, and for His glory. So, how good is the good news to you today? Is it good enough to share? Are you willing to be used by God just as you are as a jar of clay that carries the greatest treasure that there will ever be? I'll finish with Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer you, it's no longer me. It's no longer Yen who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in this earthly vessel, this jar of clay, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen.